So uh, over the last couple weeks, there have been a couple of circumstances that I found myself in in the parish, uh, mostly at the office, where uh, it's caused a little friction because I think people expect one thing and then they find out another. So let me just be very clear um, about how I feel. So I am absolutely and completely pro-choice, okay? Absolutely support the right to choose because life is choices. Life is a lot of hard choices, all of them carrying great consequences, but some require more of a sacrifice from us than others. Now, we have to choose as both Americans and as Catholics who we are going to serve. We have to choose whether we will serve ourselves or serve the Lord. We have to choose whether we're going to do good or whether we're going to do evil. And so it is in this idea of choice that we have to choose every single day what we are going to be, whether we are going to follow the Lord or follow our own will. Because the bigger the choice, the more it demands of ourselves, the more we have to sacrifice. I came across a quote from Usain Bolt recently. He's the gold medalist sprinter. And he said, I trained for four years to run nine seconds. And a lot of people get discouraged when they don't see results in two months. For 1,460 days, Usain Bolt exercised his right to choose, and he woke up every day and chose to be an Olympic sprinter. There were days he didn't want to do this. There were days that it was hard, but he chose every day, and he perfectly embodies the right to choose. Now be very clear, I am against abortion in all sorts of ways and to everything, but did you feel the anger? Did you feel the ire? Did you say, mm, we have reached our limit, we are no longer following Father Dan? Because that's exactly what the disciples felt today when Jesus said, eat my flesh, and some of them walked away. They had come to a point where they were no longer on board with what he was saying, and it's like, we like you, except we don't. We follow you, except here. There is a circumstance, which we have found, where I will no longer choose to follow you. I was really hoping this weekend someone would get up and like storm out. That would have been the perfect thing. So far, no one has. But this is predicated by the Old Testament. I see a few people wiping some sweat away. That's good. <laughs> that was the effect I wanted. But the Old Testament reading predicates this choice that the disciples are going to have to make. Because Joshua says the same thing to the Israelites. When he, fought, when he is their leader, he says it's time to put away this childish flip-flopping back and forth, will we serve God of Yahweh or will we serve ourselves? To put it in the biblical timeline context, we've had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, then Moses, now Moses is dead, and Joshua has taken over. And he's like, guys, it's been 40 years that we've been walking around the desert. It's time to put your foot down and we're in the promised land. Either follow the Lord or don't. But you have to choose today. There can be no more half measures, no more halfway in. We are either all in or get out. It's a beautiful choice, but it demands of the Israelites something. They can no longer go on and just be doing the bare minimum. They must make a choice whether they will follow the Lord 
or whether they will not. And the beautiful thing is that the Lord gives us this choice often. Because it's not enough for us as Catholics to follow the Lord once. We cannot make a once and done decision to be a good Catholic and then it doesn't matter what else we do in the rest of our lives. We have to make this choice continually. Every day that you wake up, every day that Usain Bolt woke up, he chose to be a sprinter. Every day we wake up, we have to choose to be Catholic. Yes, we are fully initiated, we're members of the club, we're on the team, but if you don't show up, are you really doing your team any good? So we have to choose every day to follow the Lord. And often, as I said at the beginning, those choices are unpleasant. Those choices cost something. They demand a sacrifice of us. And sometimes when the Lord asks us to sacrifice in that way, we say that's too much. We say, I'm willing to follow you, but. Or my favorite, I'm Catholic, but. No, you're not Catholic at that point. When you have to qualify how Catholic you are, you cease being Catholic. But we have to make the choice to follow the Lord or to follow something else. And as I said, a lot of times that requires us to sacrifice. And if it were all on us, I would completely understand when we reach our limit and say, that's too far, I can't give that. But let's look at what the Lord promises to give us in return for our sacrifice, for our choice to follow him. For that, we go to the second reading. Now, in my 35 years of life, I have come to one conclusion, many conclusions, but here's the one that I'm going to tell you today. If a priest is unwilling to preach on the second reading that talks about the subordination of women to their husbands, he is either a coward, ignorant of scripture, or both. Okay? Because what we have here is a beautiful description of Christ and the church. And if you only look at it through the lens of our current culture, then you're like, nope, that's a bad reading. Get rid of that thing. We're going to be Martin Luther and cut out the scripture we don't like. But if we look at it for what it is, then we see it's a beautiful dynamic and relationship between Christ and the church. And Paul is using the microcosm of the familial unit to show that interplay. So what does it say exactly? It says that, well, first of all, the backstory. Christ is always known as the bridegroom. The church is the bride. The church is made up of its members, the body of Christ. We are one cohesive unit, the body. And we are the bride of Christ, okay? So anytime you hear scripture about the virgins and their lamps waiting for the bridegroom to come, this is an allegory about Christ and the church. So now we talk about marriage in the second reading. St. Paul says, wives, be subordinate to your husbands as we should be subordinate to Christ. And it's not out of fear. It's not out of some sense of that I will be smote, smitten, smited. I don't know the correct tense of that verb, but we're not going to get cast down. We don't do it out of servile fear. We do it out of awestruck wonder. When you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon and say, wow, this is the same reverence that we have for the Lord and why we would want to be obedient, not because I'm afraid, but because I am so enamored with him. This is the beauty that St. Paul asks of wives to the husband. Not out of fear do you choose to be subordinate, but you exercise your choice and your freedom to say, I love you so much. I will follow you knowing that you have my best interest in mind. 
Now, what does St. Paul say of the husband to the church? Well, we are to emulate everything that Christ does for the church. So first, what does he do? He sacrifices for the church. Look no further than the cross to see this is true. Christ, the bridegroom, sacrifices himself for the church, the bride. So therefore, men should be willing to give up their lives, as St. Paul says in the second reading, for the protection of their wives. Second, what does Christ do? He sanctifies the church. And St. Paul says this explicitly as well, that the husband's role should be the sanctification of his wife. And lastly, St. Paul says that the husband must love the wife more than his own flesh. Now think of life and how we live it. It is nothing more than a concoction of circumstances of our own comfort that we have encased ourselves in, right? It's why we have comfy beds. It's why we eat three times a day. It's why we have TVs. It's why we have everything we have to make our lives the most comfortable we can. Because if I'm gonna put that type of effort into preserving my own comfort, then as a husband, I should be looking to put that much more effort in preserving the, the comfort of my wife, right? Like if I should love my own flesh and I should love her more than my own flesh, then my first thought should not be about myself, but always for the other. So sure, wives, be absolutely subordinate to your husbands, knowing that the husband is called to sacrifice, sanctify, and look out for your comfort above his own. Seems like a pretty fair deal to me because it's fashioned on the relationship between Christ and the church. So as I said, life is choices. We are called to choose every single day who we will follow, whether we will serve ourselves or whether we will serve the Lord. We have to be prepared to do hard things if we choose to serve the Lord. But ultimately, we should know that the Lord is never outdone in his generosity towards us, and that what he offers us in return is so much better than we could ever imagine.